Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sittner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with artists and creators from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul through Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. And if you've got something going on around the Twin Cities you'd like to talk about, we want to hear from you. Email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com. Mouthing Off is sponsored by Minnesota Playlist, the digital destination for live performing arts. Producers can find talent to work with. Directors can cast productions with audition ads. Teachers can find students with a classified. And audiences can find the perfect show to attend on the state's largest calendar of theater and dance shows. Find out more at minnesotaplaylist.com. We hope you enjoy the show. We're back with another action-packed episode of Melting Off, the theater arts and culture podcast for the Twin Cities and beyond. We have a very fringy, fun, musical episode coming your way. We've got four guests here. Amanda Forstrom is dealing with some family business. I'm going to make it sound like she's dealing with it. I think she's enjoying a sunny day with her family. But I am joined by, I guess... One third of the the typical uh, trio of hosts, Mari Sittner. Mari's in Michigan right now. Mari, how are you? Good. I'm glad to be back enjoying this beautiful Midwest summer. It rained all day. Yeah, it's perfect. Lovely. It's we have we had one of those days now where the the Canadians continue to be sending smoke over the Twin Cities. Uh, I don't know what we need to do, but that's for the other podcast. That's for the podcast down by the docks where we discuss the the Canadian problem. Mari, you uh, you were in New York City. Now you're back in Michigan. I know we've got some exciting stuff coming up at our theater company, Badmouth Theater Company. So be sure to go to badmouthtc.com and see what we've got planned for the fall. We're going to be doing a couple of events over at Waldman Brewery here in St. Paul, our, our gracious hosts for the various readings and things that we do. So stay tuned there, but we got to get at this. So today's episode of Mouthing Off is about a group, a constellation of shows for the Minnesota Fringe that are that are going to be happening at the Great Phoenix Theater on Hennepin in Minneapolis, where we did our production of One Good Marriage earlier this year. So we're familiar with Phoenix. If you don't know about Phoenix, you ought to, and you're going to hear about it here today. So I'm going to do a little round robin and let the four folks who are with us introduce themselves, starting with John. John, you sort of helped put this together. So thank you for doing that. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Uh, how is everybody? <laughs> you don't see this because you're listening, but I, I see a bunch of faces and um, a bunch of producers and the two hosts. Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm John Ornstein. I'm the producer of uh, the musical Extreme Roadshow, which I guess we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll come back around. I want to hear about Extreme Roadshow. Uh, Brian, introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, I'm Brian Watson-Jones. I'm also here as a producer of a Fringe show. Mine is called Slices, which we will get into. Uh, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming. I'm really enjoying this. This is a challenge for a host to to have so many folks, but everybody I think everybody's going to 
this is going to be great. You're going to get to hear about four or five fringe shows all at once in one little episode here. Um, Scott, uh, how are you? I see you got the you got the the baby Yoda Yoda shirt on here today. All right. Yeah, I felt like it was appropriate. Uh, yeah, I'm Scott Froelich. I'm uh, producing and performing a solo show called Aging in an Age of Change, also at the yeah. Phoenix. Uh, like you said, you know, we'll get into those in more detail later. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. And then, uh, Adam, how you doing? Really good. All right. <laughs> what do you got going on? Uh, I am producing slash a member of Reservoir Frogs. Uh, we are presenting the newest incarnation of our form we call Playback Time uh, as part of the Minnesota Fringe at the Phoenix alongside these other shows. Right on. Okay. And I think we can go in that same order and, and get to know a little bit about the shows and then a little about, bit about y'all. And then uh, we'll see where the conversation goes. I'm sure as theater people will have plenty to talk about. Uh First, fair to say, everybody who's listening, if they're interested in The Fringe, obviously you can go to The Fringe website. I assume there will be listings there, but also specifically go to the to Phoenix Theater's uh, website to find more details. And they are at phoenixtheatermpls.org, and that's theater, T-E-R. Again, phoenixtheatermpls.org. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So, uh, John, tell us about your show. Okay. Um, well, uh, one day I was watching Antiques Roadshow for probably the you know 150th time towards the end of the of the core of the pandemic, and I thought um, somebody should make a musical out of this. You know, it's just a natural. It has a sort of chorus line format or um, Putnam County spelling bee format. Uh, people can bring up their items, and each item would generate a song which I thought was kind of uh, fun, but boring. So it's like Antiques Roadshow, except that anything that has no value gets thrown into a fiery pit. And that oh, wow. seemed to get the show going a little bit. Um, every song kind of veers off into something strange, I guess, because um, you find when you write, you're just going to write whatever's on your mind. And so uh, the song about banjo clocks became a song about how much somebody hates banjo clocks, but then about how they really taught him to live his life. And the guy with the baseball cards turns out to be a conspiracy theorist. And the, Hey, um, yeah, always, always a good chorus number. What, what's um, his uh, favorite conspiracy? That's you're, you're on well, my specifically, territory. Uh, specifically um, he has uh, all of the Minnesota twins from 1965 and what emerges is that the twins, in his view, actually won the 1965 World Series, but that fact has suppressed all this time by an international Jewish conspiracy. Oh gosh! Okay, it would have been because it would have been terrible for uh, the Jews if Koufax lost to the Minnesota Twins in that song. Ah, I see. So that I see. that the song um, that emerges from that part of the music is "You're Entitled to Your Own Facts." Um, that's very amusing that yeah is and it that is one of the uh info hazards of these online conspiracy theories where you click the third link and you sort of inevitably end up there and it becomes uh yeah pretty atrocious very right. fast and the great thing about a conspiracy theory is that 
it can absorb any counterfacts that you raise. And so uh, the appraiser is like the truth, uh, the person who stands for truth in the show. And she tries to point out to him what the facts were, but he just spins them around as mm. you know, anybody, any good conspiracy theorist should be able to do. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's also meant to be fun. Uh, there's a love story. There's one, uh, one item that we follow through the show. That's the family spittoon. And um, okay. a good time is had by all. There are nine performers. Uh, can I say one thing for everyone's benefit? Um, sure. I would say if you want tickets, which by now, you know, you're, you've probably fled this podcast anyway. But if you do want tickets, um, go to the Fringe Festival site. Uh, look at 2023 Festival. Pick under venues, the Phoenix, and you'll find all of these shows at once. And then you can click on them individually. Minnesotafringe.org. You know, another play kind of reminds me of John is the dumbwaiter, right? It's sort of a new object appears and here we go. Yeah. Well, I'm proud to say I've never seen it, so I can't be accused of stealing. Well, that no, I mean, it's, you know, it's not a matter of stealing or not, but they, yeah, that's a very interesting one act play to have a look at. That's Pinter, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, one of the good things about the fringe is that you can do a one act play. Uh, I'd be in real trouble if I had to write a second act for this. <laughs> Go ahead, Mari. And so you mentioned a couple of musicals, chorus line and spelling bee. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the musical stylings of extreme Roadshow? Um, yeah, it uh, crosses a bunch of genres as appropriate. So the as appropriate is because I used to be a lawyer. Um, and so banjo clocks is bluegrass. Uh, the song to the spittoon is a power ballad. Um, there's sort of regular show music in the opening, which is on the website. Uh, there's a Sondheim-esque number, uh, peppy Sondheim-esque number for the appraiser called You Gotta Have the Eye. Um, and you say, oh, so like that, it spans different pop or Broadway genres of music. This is Nothing fun. This is something far. that my uh, my stepfather is a pretty serious antiquarian, and uh, yeah. I, he, he hasn't been in town this summer yet. So I don't know. Maybe this would be something I could pitch to him to to take him to. People love that stuff. I was I was tortured by antiques as a child. the The house that we lived in was just wall to wall antiques on the main floor, and I'm sure I broke some thousands of dollars of worth of worth of this stuff. Uh, so, and yeah. I hated going. Yeah. But now I love it. Now I love like a day in Stillwater <laughs> to go see the antiques is fantastic. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I needed help thinking of antiques, even though I'd seen the show so many times. So um, if you ever try this yourself, you, you should know that the antiques roadshow keeps a record on its web- website of every antique that's ever been shown. So you can find lists of things, including uh, a pickle caster, and I still don't know what a pickle caster is, C A S T O R, like castor oil. But there well, is, what is a, a, I see you already Googling it, which I could have oh, done. Yeah. It made its sure. way into the lyrics of the show. Pickles, yeah, the word pickled is inherently funny. I wrote a screenplay right. called Pickleball, uh, pickle, and everything is pickle, pickle, pickle. Uh, very cool. I'm looking up pickle casters. What's a banjo clock? Ah, that is a clock that would, it goes in the wall. Um, it's, uh rather large but you can hold it and it's shaped loosely like a banjo and it i think though ah. it's, it's more of the sound because unlike a bong bong that you might get or a cuckoo from other kinds of clocks it's more like 
bang, 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 bang. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Sure, sure. This is great radio. That's great. (laughs) Love it. Don't change that dial, folks. John, that sounds like a lot of fun. How long did you work on this, uh, this show? I started it in October, and it really just sort of poured out from October to March, with the exception of one song. I felt it was too short, so I went to an, an antique store, uh, found somebody's painting of the Mona Lisa, and added that in April. But like somebody's paint-by-numbers version of the Mona Lisa? Interesting you say paint-by-numbers. I concluded that's what it was, and that's in the script, too. Um, huh. But the song is kind of an appreciation of it, paint by numbers or not. Hmm. But she does yeah. get thrown into the fiery pit. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Have you uh, have you ever been to the Louvre? Have you seen the real thing? I have not. Uh, ca- yeah. The characters in the show have. Um, yeah. But I understand it's small, behind yeah. glass, and inevitably disappointing. Yeah. It, well, it's tricky because you're... Uh, you're mobbed by other people and it's, and it is quite small. So you don't really have very much, much access uh, to it um, when you want to go see it. It's a little bit, uh, yeah, overhyped. So you're, you're not quite sure. Yeah. What the deal is. Mm -hmm. And yet everyone wants to see it. And uh, I learned what Sfumato is, which is uh, the secret of what makes it so haunting is it's uh, the blurring of lines around the mouth and around the eyes and the characters in our show are fascinated with that too. And one of them tried it on herself. Mm. What do you mean tried it on herself? Well, you know, with uh, makeup and <laughs> she tried uh, to like blur herself out. Yeah, that's right. And she says that it wound up looking like she'd had Botox. Oh, so right. More, even more power to Leonardo for not getting that look, I guess. Sure, sure. Like an IRL TikTok filter. Right. Yeah, yeah. Ice cream, yum. Gang, 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 gang. Uh, that's very cool. Is it is this isn't the first musical you've written, John? You you uh, must it have. Is. Yeah. It is. Oh, it is it is. Well, it you is. made it sound so easy. You just start uh, in October and knock it out. Well, I guess it must have been sitting there for a long, long time in my head. Um, mm. my wife and I have been writing songs together for you know, decades. We wrote comedy songs and um, we still do that. Uh, So that was, it wasn't like I hadn't been writing songs over time. Um, But this just, this just emerged. What can I Hmm. say? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for sharing it. Uh, Tell me the name, say the name of the show one more time for people. Thank you. It's called Extreme Roadshow. That's a fun, that's a fun title. And, And it's, it's got enough of a hook that I think people will know right away. I want to see that. So that's very cool. Yeah. I hope so. There are a hundred seats yeah. in that. <laughs> sure. Well, I, you know, listen, you gotta, well, I'm not going to tell you how to market your show, but man, I mean, you, you know, the antique people, they talk and they all know each other. So it seems to me like a, a little day trip out to Stillwater and they're, they're happy to talk to you. Do you know? I mean, yeah. So it feels like you should get, get like into that circuit of people because they probably uh, have a hoot. There is a great antique store on Hennepin a couple of blocks away from the Phoenix that I highly recommend you check out. I can't remember the name right now, but they have a lot of gems in there. Just a couple blocks down. That's a brilliant idea. Now I know what to do with those thousand postcards I bought. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. All right. Let's get on to show number two. Brian, are you ready? I give am us ready. your 
give us your pitch. What do you got? All right. Well, my show, again, is called Slices. Uh, if you look for it on the Fringe website, it is under the umbrella term of Phoenix Presents, which actually covers uh, three of the shows happening at the Phoenix this year. Um, so mine is, it's a series of dark monologues, basically horror themed. So 16 plus recommended. If you're listening to this with kids, maybe skip mine. Um, it is the work of a guy called Clay McLeod Chapman, who was a friend of mine from college. About 20, 25 years ago, he ran a show in New York called The Pumpkin Pie Show, which was just a collection of monologues, which he would write and either perform or give to friends to perform. And that went very well. It ran for a number of years, but in just like a back of the bar theater. So it wasn't, it wasn't a Broadway show or anything. And he actually toured that exact show to the Minnesota Fringe about 10 years ago. Uh, not the same monologues that we're doing in this piece, but if anybody remembers him vaguely from the past, this is that. Um, so since he ran the Pumpkin Pie Show, he has done very well. He's written, I think, eight or nine novels now, some young adult, most adult adult, all horror themed. He has written several comic runs, including for Marvel Comics. Um, he co-wrote a book with Henry Selick, which went on to become Wendell and Wilde, the movie available on Netflix. Um, he's just done very, very well. But I always, when I think of his work, I always think of the pumpkin pie show because of the immediacy and the just tasty darkness of the monologues. So they were pieces that I had wanted to do for a long time. And this year I finally got my act together, asked a few friends of my own to join me and we'll be doing four of them for the fringe this year so these are four shortish monologues uh, yeah yes 10 to 15 minutes so get an hour's worth of that and then go on with your night right yeah and what kind of horror are we talking about are we talking about weird fiction lovecraftian type horror or i mean give me a yeah <clears throat> in this show we didn't end up using any of the lovecraftian pieces although they certainly exist corner me after at a fringe after party and i'll tell you about them trust me um for this show it's there's a nice little blend actually with the pieces that got put together for this i gave uh, my actors a lot of leeway in which pieces to choose and just crossed my fingers would we wouldn't end up with too much redundancy and it worked out pretty well we have a story of i don't know how spoilery i want to get with this i'll, I'll barrel ahead Close your ears if you don't want too many spoilers. You want to go in completely blind. Uh, we have a story of a Cub Scout, or, you know, legally distinct, not actually a Cub Scout, who got lost in the woods and has now gone completely feral and grown to be an adult hunting through the woods. Uh, we have a mother whose child is turning into not a regular baby, but some kind of flesh-eating cryptid. And she has to make a decision about whether she'll choose the child or the world around her. Uh, we have a father who's been looking for his kid who got lost in a rest area for a couple of months now, but keeps looking, keeping optimistic. And then we have a transient hobo who got hired to work at a rodeo and is beginning to suspect that they are the intended victim of a dark ritual to an elder god. So, Well, that's that sounds Lovecraftian. Oh yeah, there, it's definitely there. And I know from other pieces that Clay Clay likes Lovecraft as much as the rest of us, or at least loves Lovecraftian style stories. Maybe not the racism, but the Lovecraftian style sure. stories are great. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's wrestling uh, with that uh, around around Lovecraft, but you can't deny his influence on uh, American letters and and horror and, and fiction for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, there's yeah, a reason we mm-hmm. still talk about him while we've thrown out most of the people that racist from that time period. Sure. They, they also weren't very good. <laughs> right, 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 right. He's uh, he's also a bit of an acquired taste for some people, but you, his influence is so far-reaching. Like the average person doesn't know that the first season of True Detective is essentially set in a Lovecraftian universe, uh, or like at least influenced by it. So yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to mine there. That sounds like fun. Are you so? Are you doing um, anything to sort of like uh, elevate it theatrically? The monologues are there little sly moments, or are you? And it's fine if you are, but are you sort of relying on the language mostly, or what's it gonna? What's it gonna feel like? Well, I'm mostly relying on the language because there's a the reason these have stuck with me so much is I really like Clay's writing. I really like the dark Southern flavored poetry of it. So a lot of it is reliant on that, not just because I think it's very good, but also because I think it's truer to the pieces because they were designed to be done with almost no theatricality whatsoever. They're designed to be done to half drunk people in the back of a bar. We're definitely not just relying on that we're going to blend in some in some cases subtle lighting effects to give the feel for the piece uh but nothing that makes it too transparent that this is a theatrical piece just little touches of props and set and Mm -hmm. sound and lights to to really accentuate what exists within the words themselves sure well, that's one of the best things about theater is how plastic it is, and you can rely on language. I know there's a certain there's a certain set of people in in theater who really resent that. They want everything to be super physical and super active. And the but I'm a I'm a word cell. I really appreciate a good story, well told. Uh, and there's something ooky spooky about the theater itself. There's something uncanny about everybody sitting in a dark room together waiting adults by the way 16 plus for this one but there is something unnerving about the very idea of it we're all willing to suspend our disbelief and people love being scared absolutely i i have i've been a part of halloween haunts specifically the haunted basement for the past decade and there's something so delightful about the the energy of an audience when you add it into horror, the way the audience and the performers feed on each other. I'm very much looking forward to it in, in the Fringe. And one of the things I love about doing this at the Minnesota Fringe is that if we have audience members who prefer the more physical Fringe things, the ones that are more presentational, less reliant on words, go to that show in the next slot. There's a half dozen dance shows. We've got so much variety happening every year at the Fringe, um, not just in terms of style and quality and experience, but just in terms of, of theatrical subgenre. I think horrific monologues is the one I'm bringing, and I'm I'm really looking forward to picking around the rest of the Fringe. Yeah, cool. That's a great endorsement of the whole idea, right? And, and the Fringe shows are great because it's it's under an hour. And if it's not your cup of tea, you're you're out in an hour, and you go to the next one, and uh, you know you've you've experienced something, and it's not not just another weekend of binging. Uh, I horror in theater is sort of under uh, represented. It's like it's a genre that's very people are into it. It comes up a lot on this podcast. Uh, I I saw a production in London uh, that I don't think ever made its way to the U.S. and it was a Scottish company. 
and they did, and this was like a West End Broadway level play. They did Let the Right One In. And there were some real stage frights, some jump scares in the theater. There was a moment where the the van, and if you don't know Let the Right One In, you owe it to yourself to to watch the original Swedish version and then probably leave it there. Uh, and maybe even read the book. My understanding is the book is just intense. Uh, Mari's given a thumbs up there. The book but yeah, there was excellent. I can't recommend it enough. Very good. Yeah. So go and learn uh, Swedish. And uh, it's Swedish, right? All right. Yeah. It is Swedish. It's, it's Scandinavian. Mm-hmm. It's Swedish or Norwegian, I'm but I believe sure it's, it's Swedish. Swedish. Yeah. Which could so fit in great Minas- here in the Twin Cities. Yeah. So any Minnesotan can just pick it right up then, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, right. But yeah, no, there was a jump scare on that stage. It was nuts. And, and then they, they, well, in any case, yeah. Horror in the theater. Very cool. Thank you for, for sharing this. Uh, tell say the name of the, the show one more time, Brian. Uh, the show one more time is called slices uh, mm. because it came from the pumpkin pie show. So there's your, your secret behind the curtain knowledge. It's slices of pumpkin pie. And if you're searching for it on the website, look for Phoenix presents which will contain the time slots and tickets available for that show along with two others. So double check yourself on the more information tab to make sure you're, you're going to my show and my show only. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and of course, the next they, guy is in Phoenix presents. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And of course this is minnesotafringe.org. You're listening to mouthing off a theater arts and culture podcast online and on Frogtown radio, 94.1 FM. Hope you're having a good time. Hope you're getting a little taste of what's going on at the Minnesota fringe. Mari, do you, do you happen to know, and maybe in the background you can look like, and if, if one of the fellas knows jump right in, like how many shows happen at the fringe in a given uh, summer? Anybody have any idea? Yeah, go ahead, John. It's a little over a hundred this year. That's remarkable. Yeah. I think this the fringe is one of the reasons people look to Minnesota and go, they have a real theater scene. There's really something going on there. And uh yeah, if you've never done it, uh, encourage you to get out and do it because it's a it's a real fun time and uh low commit, right? You can go see one fringe show. If you're really into the you know, antiques road show, hey, maybe. Maybe you're really into Antiques Roadshow and horror. You fan, you've got your night planned for, for one of these nights in August. All right. But may, maybe there'll be a third or a fourth show. Let's find out. Scott, what do you uh what for people at the at the Minnesota Fringe here in 2023? Uh yeah. You know, I uh this is actually my fourth show producing at the fringe over the years. And and, and like you were saying about how it really is uh, kind of a, a flagship of the theater scene in the Twin Cities. I've been doing this since 2002 in some varying degree or other. And uh, one of my sort of pet topics over the years has been, uh, you know, sort of white supremacy and patriarchy and how do we help to tear down those structures within society and kind of entertain people at the same time. Um, and one of the directions that this comes from is the sort of impetus that, you know, white, particularly cishet white men really only listen to other cishet white men. It's hard to get a shoe in from other demographics. And and I don't know exactly the moment where that became a, a pet project of mine, but to try to create some kind of art that speaks to that 
without beating people over the head, you know, to give you an opportunity to get into the topic, understand it a little bit and see kind of where it's coming. And this, this most recent iteration of it is called Aging in an Age of Change. Um, and it came from uh, my foundation of my house having to get work done, which feels like a very adult kind of uh, um, anti-cathartic thing to happen, um, you know, both from a budget and from an emotional uh, psychological state of mind kind of space. Um, and the fact that I started using Rogaine. And like, you know, you have these things happen as you start to age and it's like, oh man, right. Yeah, this, the, the, the entropy of life is catching up with me. And, and how do I really want to convey where my head is at with those things? And a collaborator of mine, Ben Lane, who's also co-artistic director of Freshwater Theater Company, um, he and I have been talking about these kinds of things for, you know, a, a few years now. And we kind of sat down and just made a list of, you know, what types of things do particularly um, cishet white men, but really anybody as they age and they start to feel those, those, uh, the weights of uh, entropy and, and whatever else sort of tug at them a little bit. Um, what do we feel? Um, as we age. And one of those big things was the, the inability to change um, or the, the feeling that we don't have an ability to change, you know, that, that society tells us that, you know, once we reach a certain age, we're supposed to be complete. We're supposed to be an adult or whatever the heck that means, because really it doesn't mean much nowadays. And the idea of what adulthood or maturity is, is this sort of social construct that's been foisted on us over time. Um, and also, you know, to break it up a little bit, it's it's in different scenes. And one of those scenes uh, is a, a, a Nissan Z commercial where a guy's driving around mountain corners and and almost, you know, um, has an incident with himself because he's terrified of driving around mountain corners. So there there are humorous moments of it uh, at the same time as as trying to trying to find something valuable to to put into the art space um, in that big question of how are we taking up space? And if I'm a cishet white dude up there standing on stage speaking for an hour, I feel compelled to be able to answer that in a meaningful way. Is it something like autofiction or are you creating a character? I mean, are you, are you telling stories about your own life? What's the, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, I would liken it more to a, a Ted talk, right? Like I, I do tell stories about my own personal life. There are some very personal stories and, uh, Quick uh, content warning, there is some strong language and, uh, uh, not to spoil too much of it, but it, it's in the, the content warning you get on the Fringe site when you go to the Phoenix Presents a self-harm warning. Um, so there is a little bit of that and it does come from a very personal space. Um, and it's also inclusive of other stories of people that I've experienced um, as they aged and struggled with these things uh, throughout my life. So um, it's mostly personal stories, it's, uh, but some of it's also, you know, uh, research to support the claims of of you know some of the things that are that are brought up in there. Um, one of the big questions is: Are we able to actually change as we age? We always say, we always say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, um, and so there's you know we we bring uh, you know slides and resources that people can look at that talk about you know how neuroplasticity actually does persist as we age. We just have to start choosing what it is we want to change or what we want to learn. Interesting. So it's a little bit little bit of personal, little bit of data-driven, a um, little bit of the occasional uh, uh, amusing anecdotes, uh, you know. But yeah, I would say it's, it's more like a TED Talk, but you're, you're going to laugh as much as anything else. Mari? You mentioned that this is your, you said your fourth show in the Fringe? Yeah, yeah. So 
have you mainly written one-man shows in the past or have you had collaborators and you're venturing into something new? Yeah, so they've been two other one-man shows. Uh, the first one is actually called Men Will Be Boys. It was in the 2013 Minnesota Fringe. And I don't know if anyone uh, who's listening to this happened to have seen that or had the opportunity to, uh, but it was it was in a similar kind of tack, except these were characters that I created with the idea of saying, how do younger men get indoctrinated into patriarchal behavior? So you get to see these characters interacting with, say, you know, a, a toxic um, gamer, right, who is influencing the people around him, or a Baptist preacher, or you know, um, uh, you know, a, a pickup artist, and and characters like that. And so that was really fun. And I got to play multiple different characters uh, throughout the course of the show. There was a dance sequence where I very nearly broke my toe once. Um, and then, uh, 2016 I did, uh, actually that one was just a, a straight up, um, telling my own stories kind of show. I bizarrely got dumped and stranded in the Philippines, um, uh, by a, a person that I had been dating here in the States. She was doing a gig over in the Philippines. She invited me over there and then just dumped me and left me there. Um, and so it turned into a really great story, um, that was, uh, my French festival show the next year. Um, and so that that was a lot of fun, but that wasn't necessarily about the same topic. But and then in 2019, um, what one of the projects that I'm most proud of was actually just a discussion series that I hosted. And I presented all of the guests with questions in advance so that they could prepare, um, you know, what their particular talking points were. And it was a lot about uh, white supremacy and patriarchy in culture and the arts in particular. And one of the discussions, and there were sort of different topics each night. So like I'd have a, one night was about, um, you know, the, what does the dating world look like in the course of, of modern life and white supremacy and whatnot. So we had actual dating experts into the theater to talk about these things. Um, and there's recordings of it and things like that. So they, they've been kind of different things, Mario, you know, over, over time, but um, they, they have kind of veered sort of in the same type of direction. You know, it would be a, a good one man show to do. Not to, I'm not trying to prescribe, but I would go to see a one man <laughs> one man show about Andrew Tate, the uh, the pickup artist, uh, pimp, internet clown. In any case, that's what. Yeah, yeah, that would be an interesting topic. Yeah, you, you're talking about. So you do you get to play a pickup artist mm -hmm. uh, in this? Because if people uh, are, if you are, one. if you're not, oh, this was the other one. This is the previous show. Yeah. Yeah. What year did you do that? You said 20, did you say 2013? 2013. Yeah. Uh, and then wow. I, I toured it a little bit. I went to uh, Chicago and St. Louis in 2015 as well. Um, so it's, it's been around a little bit. Um, there were a, a few changes to it, but oddly enough, uh, misogyny tends to persist from year to year. So it, it, the content was kind of evergreen. Um, yeah, you're, th you're, this is new information you're telling me. I was unaware, <laughs> but yeah, that whole that whole online pickup artist thing is that is a rabbit hole you could spend. Uh, a, a, you could do a PhD on it. It's just it, it, I did. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't get a PhD, what? but I spent three years. <laughs> um, <laughs> I spent yeah. three years researching and writing that play starting in 2010, and the rabbit hole that I ended up going down related to like men's rights activists, pickup artists, PUA hate groups. Um, um, things like that was something that I ended up having to go to therapy to deal with because it, it's this monumentally toxic environment to submerse yourself in and probably best not to at all unless you absolutely have to for some viable reason. Or unless you're going to see a show at the fringe about it. <laughs> exactly right. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's relatable. I wrote a play about social media content moderators losing their minds at work and uh, sure. did a lot of sort of intense research for that. And uh, there's really no roadmap for what to do personally uh, when you intentionally submerge yourself in info hazards and the darker corners of the internet for three months, six months, a year. There's no... Uh, there's no group you can go to to say, "Hey, I need to un kind of unsee these things." <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah the IBH yeah. uh, committee. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah, it's very easy to sort of like MK Ultra yourself. There's no book to, <laughs> or, or or white paper to undo that. But what you know, what you need is catharsis, which is what theater serves to do. So, yeah, yeah. And actually, that's kind of what this play is about: is to find some way through um, to a place of health. Um, mm. I, one of my big, uh, motivators in creating art is that the audience leaves the space feeling, uh, better and safer than they did when they came in. Uh, mm. and so I would hope, um, that when someone comes in, knowing what the content warnings are, you know, if, if you do have issues around self-harm, then maybe stay away from it. But otherwise, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, a um, something that could help in that way. You know, if anyone feels like, Hey, you know, maybe I don't feel like I belong as much as I used to, uh, come on in. We'll have a good time. Uh, it's one third of the Phoenix Presents, same as Brian's show. Um, and you can come and see all three on the same night. You don't have to just see Brian's. Uh, you can see all three of ours on the same night. <laughs> all right. Yeah. What's the name of the as show? Well one as well as John time? and Adams. All yeah, right. This is aging in an age of change. All right. Very good. Yeah. That thing you mentioned about neuroplasticity is interesting because they really, neuroscience is a baby science. And a lot of it is, oh, yeah. They, they don't know what's going on. They're just figuring it out. And if we really actually followed the science, like follow the science, trust the science, a lot of things would change socially uh, because of what we've learned. So I guess we'll have to see what happens, uh, you know, over the next X number of years as people begin to really uh, appreciate the findings that are coming out of that field. Sounds like Absolutely. a sounds like an interesting show, Scott. You probably food for thought. Wow, and and three wildly diverse shows so far. <laughs> Very interesting. Let's hear from uh, from our friend here, Adam, about what he's got going on at the Minnesota Fringe at Phoenix Theater here in 2023 in August. What's going on, Adam? All right. Well, uh, the show I'm putting on, uh, I'm a part of the Reservoir Frogs. We are a local long-form improv troupe, been around since 2014. Uh, we've had shows in a couple of previous fringes. Uh, the uh, fun little pandemic had uh, has put different spins on all of those. So this is our first, uh, first full fringe that is neither virtual nor hybrid. <laughs> uh, uh, our show is uh, called Playback Time. It is um based on an earlier version of our show where we take three characters and do kind of a character study an improvised character study of three characters um interviews with characters um, it's sort of a coen brothers-esque tale of greed lust stupidity ambition failure really presenting uh, these three characters with the thing that they want so much in life that they are willing to compromise whatever that particular character's moral compass is to get them to tempt them into crossing their own lines 
dangle it in front of them and snatch it away in just grievous and hilarious ways uh, of watching their the consequences of their own actions then unroll upon them. Uh, it's 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 a good way to how do I like to put it? Uh, it's it's bad things happening to bad people. <laughs> ah, right, and we and we discover that they're bad people along the way. Yes, we we find. And that's kind of one of the things that I like to do with it is that none of these people typically are the idea that nobody just wakes up in the morning and walks out and says, I am a villain, right? Nobody, nobody sets out in the morning and thinks I'm an actual monster. Uh, but yet those people do exist in the world. And, you know, we are all just some few bad decisions away from just complete uh <laughs> complete moral failure right like complete ethical breakdown of of the lines that we've drawn yeah. and depending on what the setting is what the what the inspiration is you know those lines can be in vastly different places but Interesting. Is it like a mixed media piece where the recordings will be played back and people will be, will be reacting, uh, trying to get a uh, sense of it? No, no. It is a it's a long form long form improv piece. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's presented somewhat like a mockumentary. I, well, I don't want to say mockumentary. Uh, it is a comedy, but think like '90s crime dramas where they would. Uh, they would have interviews with people uh, sure. in the veins of like, you know, unsolved mysteries, kind of doing a breakdown. Uh, I hesitate to use the term true crime podcast because those those have taken a very specific form. Um, but it's a series of of monologue interviews with the three main characters. Uh, think kind of like um in reality TV shows like The Office or Parks and Rec, where they have those talking head portions, sure. uh, where you never really hear what the questions are being asked. You just are going around to these characters as they are responding to questions, unheard questions from an interviewer, through which the story of what had happened and what this was all about, you know, kind of un unfolds. Mari, you're muted. Sounds cool. Sorry about that. Not at all. Yeah. So I know that this is an improv show and people are going to get a different experience every night. Um, but is do you have an example of what the kind of situation people might expect to find themselves in? Ah, uh, huh. Let's see. What is a personal favorite of mine? Uh, we had a set very recently uh, with three veterinarians. Uh, three three veterinarians in a pickleball tournament. And so this very low kind of low stakes situation. Um, hey, where hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Okay. Pickleball I, I is a nerve. pickle serious. Super high stakes. It, no, well, yeah. yeah. Go, go that, ahead. I, I... <laughs> that's that's what these characters are, are have quite become obsessed with their workplace rec league pickleball. And to the point that they very much neglect the beginnings of a, a feline plague that starts uh, that starts in their in their hospital, and they are just simply too obsessed with becoming with winning their their 
workplace's rec league pickleball tournament to really bother dealing with this until it blows completely out of proportion and turns into the uh, the great cap pandemic of 1997. Uh. <laughs> that sounds very funny. That's very strange because my last the last full length play I wrote is about a veterinarian. And then I also, like I said, I wrote a screenplay with a partner of mine about pickleball. So very, that sounds like a show for me. I'm going to yeah, tell you. Yeah. That's very it's, cool. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it can be quite all over the place, depending on the sorts of suggestions that we get uh, and just the tone that it takes. Hmm. And you you have a, obviously must have an improv background. That's your, is that your core thing in theater? Uh, yes. Yeah. I... I do non-improv things, but uh, my my main performance uh, outlet is is uh, long form improv. We run a show at monthly show at the Phoenix called Improvocation, uh, mm. where we bring in people and have them do spoken word pieces as inspiration for the improv sets. So a lot of this was developed by taking people's stories, their personal stories about working at a Renaissance festival or, uh, you know, trying to teach yoga in Colombia um, and kind of playing with those themes and settings to create just horrible situations that these people could have gotten into. And it it kind of turns into into you know Coen Brothers esque movies if you've ever seen Burn After Reading or Fargo with people who really want something so bad that they they compromise on their their own moral compass. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Fargo because somebody on the Bird website recently on Twitter started a thread saying you know quote with your you know your favorite. The nihilistic uh, not, movies. Nihilistic movies. And he, and he had Fargo in there. And I'm like, you're, you clearly didn't understand Fargo if you think Fargo is a film about nihilism. Fargo is a pay-in to the social contract, down to the penny, literally. Yeah. Her husband, uh, his, his duck, his painting gets put on the three-cent stamp. People need them because when the price goes up, you know, they, they mm-hmm. do those in any case. Yeah. Somebody really didn't understand Fargo on, on Twitter. Have you ever seen, um, uh, the, the movie, the Jack Black movie, Rick Linkletter did, uh, Bernie, you ever see that? That's a fun one. And, and that, that does that thing that you're describing where there's an interview happening and then you just see the reactions. You familiar that I love that one because he, it's based on a true story and he actually pulled, you can't tell like who's an actor and who's actually a local he interviewed about the story. I love uh, touches like that in, in cinema. It's fun. Cool. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. It's the, the big thing that we're adding for this year uh, as, as part of the fringe to take this from what is normally a 30, 30 ish minute set uh, to expand it and give ourselves more material to play with as we are introducing uh, the, dramatic reenactments where previously we would have these people monologuing uh there is now a person calling out for because if you remember in these 90s tv shows they would have dramatic reenactments but the actors were just the bottom of the barrel and they typically didn't have scripts and they would be very trying to replicate uh 
the events as they were known. So there are additional scenes then mixed in with all of this of are those rehearsed? I, so you sort of no, have those. No, no. These, oh, okay. No, no, no. Uh, the joke is the 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 joke the the buy in from the audience is kind of that they're watching this sort of low budget documentary on these events or these people, and so sometimes you know these this narrator will break in and call and bring in additional scenes where other improvisers come in and try and portray what they believe uh, certain events actually okay. look like because we're hearing huh. about them sort of in the mm -hmm. past tense in the description. Uh, and so then we get other people attempting to uh, portray the actions that have been described. And it gets a little, a little strange because it's uh, suddenly sure. you're looking through someone else's lens Having heard this third person, um, you kind of get a picture of how all these situations can sort of get blown out of proportion when things start getting reinterpreted. Sure. So you get like a, a game of telephone, like a comic kind of Rashomon type retelling of, of these various things. That sounds like a lot of fun, Adam. Tell me the name of the show one more time. It is called uh, Playback Time. Uh, we are at the Phoenix Theater uh, as part of the Minnesota Fringe. Sure. And then you also have this monthly uh, show at Phoenix, too. Uh, yes. Impro uh, improvocation. Uh, we will probably be picking back up in September. Uh, you know how summer is uh, in the theater scene. It's it's uh, it's fringe. It's it's theater mm. Christmas. So. Uh, All right. Gotta, yeah. Everything kind of shuts down for a couple months here. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. True. But. You're back. You'll be back in September. And then, of course, everybody has all, all of this fringe stuff to look forward to. There's a fifth show. Uh, the fellow isn't here, but I am looking at the website right now, so I will pitch it. It's called How to Kill a Horse. Is that correct? Okay, How to Kill a Horse. And there's a fellow uh, in, a, uh, in a suit smiling with a horse. I can't tell if the horse is smiling or not. Uh, but here's the uh, log line. It says a pitch black one man musical comedy about the true history of the weirdest, nastiest horse killingest case of fraud in American history written and performed by Rob Ward. And that's running from Friday, August 4th through Saturday, August 12th. Do any of y'all know about that show? Want to say something else about that or Rob? Yeah, go ahead, Brian. Uh, yes, Rob is the third part of the Phoenix Presents portion. So if you're trying to track down tickets, again, Phoenix Presents. At this point, I'd say just purchase ticket randomly and go to whatever show you see. I think they should all be great. Um, but yes, that I don't know. I don't know everything about the show, obviously, and I don't. I'll give away a little bit and hope Rob won't be angry at me. It's basically it's a portion of history where there was a lot of mafia money money being placed on horse races. And that, of course, led to some horses getting murdered in order to win races where there were long odds against the people they were betting on because there were favorites in the race. And now those favorites started showing up dead. So it is actually historical, probably horrible. And knowing Rob, very entertaining. Horse murder, a one man musical comedy, how to kill a horse with an exclamation point. So let me read that again. How to kill a horse. There we go. I got it. That sounds like fun. 
what a again totally diverse array of shows so much you can go enjoy you know and enjoy just these five shows and these are five of a hundred at the fringe so if you're not enticed I don't know what more is going to do it we're coming up on our time got a few more minutes uh let me just again say we are badmouth theater company at badmouthtc.com we're going to be doing some readings here at Waldman coming up I have a new project with my screenwriting partner, Abby Lucas. We're going to be doing a reading on September 18th at Waldman. That reading is from a new project. We'll call it a play. It's a, it's a podcast, but it's a, it's a podcast that's scripted and it's meant to look and feel like a real podcast. Although I don't think we're really going to fool people. It's a, it's a scripted podcast about right-wing online influencers exploring polyamory, based polyamory, as they call it. And that play is going to be called The Edge of Liberty, and and tickets to the Waldman readings are always free. Uh, Then we are actually picking a play. We're in the process of picking a play right now for the October reading from uh, submissions that we received on our website at badmouthtc.com. We want to do a reading of a local play from somebody that we don't know from Adam, uh, so we're really looking forward to that. Then we're going to have a holiday party in December. And then next year, we'll be back with the full production and or maybe some other stuff. So that's what we got going on at Bad Mouth Theater Company. Also, if you have a show in the fringe, if you're a theater person or doing something artsy, culturally, cultural around the Twin Cities, we want to hear from you. Go to badmouthtc.com or email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com and say, hey, I want to come on the show. And you can do that on your own. You don't have to bring a whole squadron of people. But if you do, I will say thank you. Like, I'm going to say thank you to John right now. John, thanks for coordinating this. Real. I'm, uh, mm. I'm glad to have done it. It was a pleasure. Kevin, thanks for having all of us on. Tremendous. It, and let's go back one more time as our, like, as we close out, John, can, fellas, in the order that we went, can you just say the name of your show, give it, give us the the quick elevator pitch, and then we'll close out. Um, Extreme Roadshow. It's on August 6th through 10th at the Fringe. Uh, Objects being thrown into a fiery pit. Uh, Opening number is on the website at the Fringe. Go to the Fringe website to get tickets. Minnesotafringe.org. Brian. Slices as part of Phoenix Presents. Dark, demented monologues from the edges of society and sanity. Don't bring the kids unless you are prepared to have a conversation with them afterwards. <laughs> right on. Scott. Aging in an age of change. Also at the Phoenix, uh, we don't have to burn out or fade away. There's a third option between taking up too much space and ceasing to exist. Nice one. Good. Adam, bring us home. Ah, Playback Time presented by the Reservoir Frogs, an improvised story of greed, lust, ambition, stupidity, and ultimate failure. Playing at the Phoenix is part of the Minnesota Fringe. Right on. You've been listening to Mouthing Off, 94.1 FM Frogtown Radio. we got lots of frogs here. I'm Kevin Kautzman with Mari Sittner. Thank you for listening. Go to minnesotafringe.org and check out these and the other shows. Thank you, fellas. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. Thank you.